Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this Sabbath day. Thank you so much for bringing us here together to, um, to worship and to also um, to hear um, your message, to study your word and to just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And Father, we are just asking that even right now, you would just take control of our hearts and minds. Pray, Lord, that you would help, um, help us to listen, help us to be able to discern your voice speaking to us. And I just pray that you will lead us and guide us with the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you would be close to us, that you would fill us with your presence. Please speak through me at this time. And I pray that this message would truly um, help us to see the areas in which we need to come up higher. I thank you so much for hearing and answering our prayers. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the word salt is mentioned over 40 times throughout the whole Bible. But have you ever wanted to know what salt in the Bible actually means? Have you ever wondered why Jesus calls us the salt of the earth? What does it mean to be the salt of the earth? How are we the salt of the earth? What did Jesus mean when he says we are to be the salt of the earth? How does it relate to our lives? This is what I want to share this morning in my sermon. What does it really mean practically as a Christian to be the salt of the earth? You know, many times we just read that verse and we think, oh yeah, you know, we got to be the salt of the earth. But do we really understand what it means for us as Christians to be the salt of the earth? Well, let's go to the Bible first and let's go to that verse where Jesus calls us the salt of the earth. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. This is what Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has, have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under fruit. Of man. You see, here in Matthew 5, we have the well-known sermon preached by Jesus called the Sermon on, on the Mount. Okay, and this sermon goes all the way to Matthew chapter 7. And if you read verses 3 to 12 of Matthew chapter 5, we have um, what we know as the Beatitudes, right? Um, Jesus talked about, you know, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, and all these things. Now, here in verse 13, Jesus, he is concluding the Beatitudes by selecting the word salt to portray the character and the mission of his followers. Now, being the salt of the earth results from the attributes of meekness, thirsting from, for righteousness, mercy, purity in heart, peacemaking, and so forth. Those are things that we see when we read the Beatitudes, right? And here Jesus is concluding and he's saying to us, he's saying to his followers that you must be the salt of the earth. But what does Jesus mean when he said that we are the salt of the earth? What did Jesus really mean by that? Now, when you think about salt, okay, you think about the actual salt, salt has been long known for its many characteristics and also many uses, right? Salt has many uses and many purposes, even in our day to day. And today I wanna to share with you some characteristics of salt and how we can apply those characteristics to our lives and how we can really 
understand what it means for us to be the salt of the earth. Okay, so let's go to the first characteristic. The first one that I want to share is this. You see, the first characteristic of salt is that salt causes thirst. Okay, it causes someone to be thirsty. You know, when you eat something salty, like, you know, uh, chips or, or crackers or, or whatever it is, right? If it's salty, after you eat it, what do you feel? You feel thirsty, right? And when you feel thirsty, what do you feel like doing? You, you need water, right? You, you would want to reach out for water, right? You will find for water to quench your thirst, right? Salt creates that thirst for water. So you see, as the salt of the earth, we are to cause people to be thirsty, okay? We must cause them to be thirsty. But thirsty of what? Water, of course, right? We need to cause them to be thirsty of water. But you see, this is just not any water. It's not just the physical water. We must cause people to thirst after the water of life. And friends, who is the water of life? Well, let's go to John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. This is what the Bible says. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You see, friends, who is the water of life? It is none other than Jesus. He is the water of life. And as the salt of the earth, we must make people thirst for Christ. We must give them that thirst and that craving for Jesus. But we must remember, okay, that we are not the water, right? Only Jesus is the water of life. We are simply the salt. We are that catalyst that will drive people to the only source who can satisfy their spiritual thirst. Our only purpose is to lead people to Jesus, to help them to see their need for Christ. We must make them thirst for the water of life. But how can we do this? How can we cause people to, to thirst for the water of life? Well, firstly, we must first have our thirst quenched by the water of life. Notice what Ellen White says in um, Ministry of Healing, page 102, paragraph 4. This is what she says. This woman, speaking of the woman at the well, represents the working of a practical faith in Christ. Every true disciple is born into the kingdom of God as a missionary. No sooner does he come to know the Savior then he desires to make others acquainted with him. The saving and sanctifying truth cannot be shut up in his heart. He who drinks of the living water becomes a fountain of life. She goes on to say, The receiver becomes a giver. The grace of Christ in the soul is like a spring in the desert, welling up to refresh all, and making those who are ready to perish eager to drink of the water of life. In doing this work, a greater blessing is received than if we work merely to benefit ourselves. It is in working to spread the good news of salvation that we are brought near to the Savior. You see, friends, before we can 
point Jesus to uh, point others to the water of life, we must first drink of ourselves of the water of life. We must we must first have our thirst quenched by Jesus Christ. And as we receive Christ into our hearts, and as Jesus is dwelling in us, then we can point others to Jesus Christ. So friends, have you experienced Christ in your life today? Can you say that you know Jesus personally? Do you have a relationship with Him? Have you experienced that personal encounter with Him, just like the woman at the well did? If you don't, then you cannot be the salt of the earth. You cannot point people to Jesus if you yourself have not experienced Him. So friends, you see, the first step in being the salt of the earth is you must have that personal experience with Jesus. You must spend time with Him. You must know Him. You must know Him personally. You must not just know about Him. Friends, you must know who Jesus is personally to you. And when we do that, when we have that experience and that relationship, then we can cause people to thirst after Jesus. We can point them to Jesus. We can tell them of Jesus. And we can cause their spiritual thirst to be quenched by the water of life. So that's the first characteristic of being the salt of the earth. We must cause people to thirst for the water of life. But how does that begin? We must first experience Him in our lives so that we can point people to Jesus. Okay, that's the first characteristic. Now, let me, let's go to the second characteristic that I want to talk about. The second characteristic of salt is that salt brings out the flavor. Okay, and this is possibly the main characteristic of salt, right? The, the real reason why people use salt is to season and to flavor their food. You know, salt is, is used as a seasoning to make food taste good. Yes, I know you have other seasonings nowadays. You have mushroom seasoning and you have black pepper and paprika and all these other things, right? But salt is essential. You know, salt is really used to bring all those flavors together, right? It's used to bring the best in a dish. In a similar way, as salt of the earth, we are called to bring out flavor in the lives of people. But how do we do that? How can we bring flavor in the lives of people, practically speaking? Now, let's think about salt. How does salt bring out flavor from food? You see, salt brings out flavor from food when it is actually mixed into the food, right? Salt does no good if you have your dish there and the salt is there just sitting on the table, but you don't actually put the salt into the food. You get what I'm saying? You must actually put the salt into the food. The salt must be mixed and mingled with the food to bring out the flavor. And friends, that is how we can bring flavor in the lives of people. What must we do? We must mix with people. We must mingle with people. And you see, that is exactly what Christ did. In fact, this was his method for winning souls. Let me show you. Let's go to Ministry of Healing, page 143, paragraph 3. Notice what Ellen White says. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with man as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, 
and won their confidence. Then he bade them, follow me. You see, Ellen White says that Christ's method alone will bring true success in reaching the people. And what did Christ do? He mingled with people, right? He mingled with man as one who desired the good. He showed his sympathy to them. He ministered to their needs, and then he won their confidence. And friends, this is what we must do. This is what it means to bring flavor into the lives of others. But you see, before we can bid them to follow Jesus, we must mingle with them. Right? Many times we are so quick to just go and tell people about Jesus and tell them to follow Jesus, but we miss the mingling part. We must mingle with them. We must desire their good. We must minister to their needs, and then we must win their hearts and win their confidence. This is what we call personal labor. You see, friends, we must make a conscious effort and conscious decision to mingle with people with the intention to witness for them, with the intention to win their souls. And as we win their confidence, we can bid them to follow Jesus. And when they follow Jesus, then their lives truly will have flavor. It is when they encounter Jesus for themselves. But you see, this is not a work that we can do on our own. You know, we must realize as we mingle with people, as we try to reach their hearts, we cannot do this on our own. We need the work of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to work within us, to transform us, and then the Holy Spirit can use us, right? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need God's help in the work of saving souls. But how else, okay, can we do this, right? What else can we do when we mingle with people, okay, as we become the salt of the earth? Well, notice what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. The Bible says, Let your speech be always, always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye, may know, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. You see, the Bible tells us that our speech, the way we talk, must be always with grace. It must be seasoned with salt. You see, friends, one of the ways in which we can witness to others is through our words, right? It's by what we say, by what we speak to others, right? That is the way that we can witness to them. And how can we do that? Friends, it is by speaking words of encouragement and hope to others, right? When we mingle with people, we must tell them about Jesus. We must tell them about His love, right? We must speak words of encouragement and hope to them. You know, because of our sinful nature, it is hard for us to speak graciously and affirmingly to others. You know, naturally, we have a critical attitude towards others, right? We tend to only look on the mistakes and also the faults of others. But this is why we need God's grace. We need God's grace to transform our speech, to, to transform our words, to help us to cultivate the habit of speaking well, or speaking with grace to others. You see, we become the salt of the earth by how we speak to others. Friends, are you speaking words of hope and encouragement to others? Especially in this time that we are living in, this time of pandemic. Are we taking the effort to speak good words, words of hope to the people around us? 
right? Are we calling our church members up? Are we calling our friends, our family members, and just speaking to them words of hope in this difficult time? All right, that is how we mingle with them. That is how we become the salt of the earth. God can use our words to touch the hearts of people. And that is the second thing we must do as salt of the earth. We must mingle with people. And yes, it's hard now because we are in a, in a pandemic. But what can you do? You can use your words, friends. You can call people up. You can pray for them. You can share with them about hope and courage and about the love of Jesus. So that is the second thing. Now, let's go to the third characteristic of salt. The third characteristic of salt is that salt melts ice. Now, when you actually put salt, okay, or this, when the salt particle comes in contact with the ice, what happens is that it lowers the freezing point of ice. And it's almost as if it generates the warmth in the ice to cause it to melt. In the same way, as salt of the earth, we are called to melt the hearts, the cold hearts of the people around us. But what is it that causes people to be cold? Notice what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You see, the Bible tells us that in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. But what is the reason for this? In that verse, it says there, because of sin, because iniquity shall abound. You see, it is because people have sin in their hearts and therefore the love of God is not in them, making them cold. You know, we must realize, okay, that we live in a world of sin today. We live in a world that is often cold, unfeeling, and indifferent. Many of our churches today are cold because Christ is not dwelling or abiding in their hearts. So as salt of the earth, we are called to melt their cold hearts of sin. But how can we do that? How can we melt the hearts of others? Well, if they are cold because they are lacking God's love, then we need to warm their hearts with the love of God. And the way we do that, friends, is by reflecting God's love to them. We must first have the fires of the love of Christ dwelling in our hearts, to be ignited in our hearts so that, so that we can spread that love, that, that warmth, that fire to the people around us. You know, there's an old saying that people don't, know, don't care how much you know until they, they see how much you care. And yes, actions speak louder than words when it comes to soul winning. Right? We have the knowledge, friends. We, and many times, you know, we're so quick to just share with people about the knowledge that we have. But are we showing love to them? Are we truly showing the love of Christ to them before we actually speak about the Bible to them? That is very important so that we can melt their hearts so that they can be ready to receive the truth. Notice what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. 
You see, friends, before we can reflect the love of Christ to others, before we can love like God, we must be born again, right? And we must know God. That's what 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says. And how are we born again? How do we know God? It's simple. It's by spending time in His Word, right? It's when you actually read His Word that you know about Christ. And as you spend time in His Word, Christ will begin to to transform you and you will be born again. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying, friends, that if you are not doing your devotions, if you are not spending time with Jesus every morning, right, every day, you cannot be effective witnesses for Him. You cannot win souls for Jesus if you are not doing your devotions, right? This is not something that you can fake. It's not something that you can do on the fly. Friends, this is something that you can only do if you have that connection with Jesus. It's by knowing Christ. It's by receiving His love, having His love perfected in you, and then going forth and winning souls. You see, we can only love others as much as we draw that love from God through our relationship with Him. I want to share with you one more quote. Let's see what Ellen White says. Gospel, work, Gospel Workers, page 478, paragraph 1. She says, A cold, sunless religion never draws souls to Christ. It drives, the, drives them away from Him into the nets that Satan has spread for the feet of the strain. Instead of thinking of your discouragement, think of the power you can claim in Christ's name. Let your imagination take hold upon things unseen. Let your thoughts be directed to the evidences of the great love of God for you. Faith can endure trial, resist temptation, bear up under disappointment. Jesus lives as our advocate. All is ours that his meditation, mediation, sorry, secures. You see, friends, we can never win souls if our lives have not been touched with the Son of Righteousness, with Jesus, right? If we have not received that love, if we do not know Jesus, we cannot win souls for Him. We need Christ today to dwell in us. He needs to work in us so that He can use us, right? He needs to work in us first before He can work through us. And friends, God wants to use us today to melt the hearts the cold hearts of the people around us. But before we can do that, we must first receive that love, that power, that connection from Christ. And where does it begin? It begins by spending time with Jesus. It begins when we do our devotions. Can you see why it's so important to do your devotions? It's so important for us to spend that time with Jesus. Friends, we cannot give what we do not receive. We can only give that which we receive from Christ. And today, if we are truly striving to be the salt of the earth, we must make sure that we are consistent in our devotions, in our devotion time, consistent in being connected with Him. And we must remember this principle that only by love is love awakened. If we want others to have a love for Jesus, we must first show that love to them. 
and we must first receive that love from Jesus. And that's the third characteristic. Salt truly melts ice. And today God can use us to melt the cold hearts of sin in the people around us. Now let's go to the last characteristic that I want to share about salt. The fourth characteristic is that salt heals. Okay, there is a connection between salt and healing. You know, salt brings health and or healing and restoration. You know, during the ministry of Christ, salt was used frequently and you know, it provided an effective remedy against infection. And, and even in our day to day, we might we may not use salt as much, but to a certain extent we still do. Right? We use salt as treatments and also for for natural remedies. Right? You have a sore throat, um, some people mix salt with water and you drink that or you gargle that, right? Some make use salt to make um, you know, as in treatment for, for against infection or for wounds. Yes, it's painful, but you know, it's actually heal it heals really quickly. Right? So salt salt has healing properties. And as salt of the earth, we are called to bring healing and restoration to the lives of others. You know, we see so much hurt and so much brokenness around us today. You know, so many people are bruised and injured in life struggles. Right? All you have to do is look at the world today. Look at this COVID situation that are in. There are so many people that are struggling with this, with this pandemic. Right? They, they don't have money to buy food. Some of them are putting white flags outside their homes because they are struggling to keep their families um, you know, fed and to support their families. People are struggling. You know, you talk to people today and it's, we can hardly listen to people without quickly learning about the struggles the tough, and the tough times that they are going through. People around this struggle. And even if they don't struggle you know, physically with uh, health conditions or with um, financial issues, people struggle with mental issues as well, right? Some have distrust, some struggle with depression, some have despair, some have brokenness, right? Some are struggling with the dark, darkness of sin. And this is what we need to realize. It's not only the people that are outside the church. It's people that are within the church as well. You know, many times we go to church and we, we think that, oh, you know, just because they are there in church, just because they come to church, that they're okay. Right? We assume that just because they are at church, that they're okay. But we don't realize that they are going through struggles as well. But as salt of the earth, we are entrusted with the responsibility of bringing restoration and healing to the people around us. Yes, people outside the church and inside the church as well. And friends, this is a ministry that Christ has given us today. Notice what the Bible says. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 20, 18 to 20, she says, uh, the Bible says, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their, their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation 
Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. You see, the Bible says that God has given us this ministry of reconciliation. This was the ministry of Christ. And today, we are ambassadors of Christ. We are called to represent Him to the world. And just as God has reconciled us to Him, today we are called to reconcile others to Him as well. Notice also what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. You see, the mission of Christ was to bring healing and restoration to people. Not only physical healing, but spiritual healing as well. And today, friends, Christ is calling us to do the same. He's calling us to follow in His footsteps and to fulfill this mission as well. Let's go to John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. You know, friends, our churches today should really be a hospital for sick people. But many times our churches today are museums for saints, right? The church is not, the purpose of the church is not to put on a display for others to see, right? It's not for others to see, hey, look at me, look how good I am, look how righteous I am. That is not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church, one of the main purposes of the church is to heal the sick, the sick and the brokenhearted. And the question that I want to ask all of us today is this. Are our churches today a hospital for the bruised and broken? Are all our energies channeled toward the spiritual recovery of others? You know, sometimes we don't even reach out to our own church members who are struggling spiritually. What more those outside the church? You see, we must recognize that each one of us we have a responsibility of bringing healing to the lives of others. Notice what Ellen White says. Ministry of Healing, page 106, paragraph 4. The Savior has given His precious life in order to establish a church capable of ministering to the suffering, the sorrowful, and the tempted. A company of believers may be poor, uneducated, and unknown, yet in Christ, they may do a work in the home, in the community, and even in the regions beyond, whose results shall be as far-reaching as eternity. You see what Ellen White says? She says that Jesus gave His life so that we as His people can minister to, the, to those that are suffering and tempted. But why is it that we don't do this? You know, maybe some of us, we are independent. You know, we, we feel self-sufficient. We, we focus on our own needs. Some of us, we spend too much time licking our own wounds, right? Just focusing on self and just feeling sorry for self without noticing 
that our brother or our sister is suffering as well. Maybe some of us are so insecure of our own hurts that it drives us away from helping others. And as a result, people leave the church. Right? People leave the church when they don't feel that love, when they don't feel welcome. Right? You may have the truth, you may preach sound doctrine, but friends, if you don't have love, then you cannot reach the hearts of people. If we want to keep people in our churches today, if we want our churches to grow, then we must allow people to find warmth and healing and also hope. And that comes from us. It begins with us. Friends, in church, do you go up to that person and, and talk to them? Do, do you ask them about their life, about their struggles? Do you get to know them? Do you try to find ways in which you can help them? Or is it that, you know, people come to church and you just go, Hey, happy Sabbath. Hi, how are you? Good. And that's it. Do you actually take the time to get to know the struggles of people? This is the purpose of the church. It's not just to come together and, and to listen to a good sermon or, or to study the Bible, but friends, it's also to minister to people, to help them to find hope and healing in this broken world. Friends, we need today to make a conscious effort to do this. And we need to ask Jesus to give us a heart that will be willing to help others, that we will restore those who, who are in darkness and sin. Now, in summary, let us summarize the points that we looked at. To become the salt of the earth, firstly, we must make people thirst for the water of life. We need to help people to see their need for Jesus, and we need to point them to Jesus. And remember that the way that we can do that is to first experience Jesus personally for ourselves. That's number one. Secondly, we need to bring flavor to the lives of people. And how does that happen? Remember, it's by mingling with people. It's by mixing with them, right? It's by desiring their good, ministering to their needs, winning their confidence. It's when we speak words of hope and encouragement to them. And it's when we tell them of the love of Jesus. Thirdly, we need to melt the cold hearts of people. We need to allow the love of Christ to pervade their hearts. And how does that happen? We need to manifest the love of Christ to our brothers and to our sisters around him. We need to reflect his character. And lastly, we need to bring healing and restoration to the lives of people. We do this by pointing them to the great physician, Jesus Christ. And we do this by ministering to their needs by helping them, by aiding them in their spiritual recovery, by helping them to find healing and hope. Even though we, may go, we ourselves may be going to hurt, but we must be willing to help those in need. Friends, this is what it means to be the salt of the earth. This is the responsibility that God has given us as his people today. But is it possible that we can fall short of this mission of this calling today? Is it possible that we can be not become genuine salt of the earth? Notice again what Matthew 5 verse 13 says. The Bible says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? 
it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under fruit of men. You see, we are called to be the salt of the earth, but it is possible, the Bible says, that we may lose our savor today. And the Bible says, if th- says that if that happens to us, then we are good for nothing, right? It- it's better for us to just be cast out. It is possible, friends, that we can fall short of this calling today. But what will cause us to lose our savor as salt of the earth? Notice what Ellen White says. Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, page 36, paragraph 4. She says, as they listened to the words of Christ, the people could see the white salt glistening in the pathways where it had been cast out because it had lost its savor and was therefore useless. It well represented the condition of the Pharisees and the effect of their religion upon society. It represents the life of every soul from whom the power of the grace of God has departed and who has become cold and Christless. Whatever may be his profession, such a one is looked upon by men and angels as insipid and disagreeable. It is to such that Christ says, I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Revelation 3, verses 15 and 16. You see, friends, we can lose our savor as salt of the earth when we lose the power of the grace of God. It happens when we, when we become void of the love of Christ. It happens when we only profess Christianity without having our hearts transformed by God. You see, if we are to fulfill our purpose as salt of the earth, we must continually behold Christ. We must spend time with Him. We must make Him first in our lives. We must be born again and we must have the Spirit of Christ within us. We must ask Jesus to dwell in our hearts every single time. You see, we can only give what we have. We only impart what we receive. And so today, we must be transformed by God. We must ask daily for Jesus to renew us through His Word. We must ask God to give us the mind of Christ and also the Spirit of Christ. And friends, we must make a covenant with God. This is something that we need to have. This is something that we need to make. Notice what the Bible says. In Numbers chapter 18, verse 19, All the heave offerings of the holy things, which the children of Israel offer unto the Lord, have I given thee, and thy sons and thy daughters with thee, by a statute forever. It is a covenant of salt forever, before the Lord unto thee, and to thy seed with thee. You see, in the Bible, salt is also represented as a covenant between us and God. And friends, to be the salt of the earth is a covenant. It's a covenant that we must keep between us and God forever. It's something that we must determine and purpose in our hearts to do. And it's something that we must ask Jesus to help us to do. It's a covenant that we must make. Friends, this is only something that God can help us to do. It's only something that God can help us to fulfill. And today we must realize that. And we must ask Jesus today to help us. Friends, do you want to be a true Christian? 
not only a Christian that goes to church and professes Christianity, but a Christian that will fulfill God's purpose, a Christian that will fulfill God's will to be the salt of the earth, to be a Christian that will bring flavor, healing, restoration, and also redemption to God's people. If so, then will you make a decision today? Make a decision that you will commit to becoming the salt of the earth. Make a decision that you will continually behold Christ, that you will continually ask Jesus to, to dwell in you so that you can point others to Him. Make a decision that you will follow in the footsteps of Jesus and so that we can become the salt of the earth. I pray and I hope that that is your decision today. And may we truly rise up to this calling, this mission that God has given us. Let us pray together as we close. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for giving us this message. And I pray that you would truly speak to our hearts. Help us to see, Lord, where we have come short. And help us to see the high calling that you have given to each one of us. And help us, Lord, to rise up to this calling. And Lord, we know that we cannot do this without you. And so we ask that you would help us daily to come to you, to ask you for grace, to ask you for help, to ask you for transformation. And I ask and pray, Lord, that you would do a work in us, that you would transform us, that you would help us to be genuine salt of the earth, that we can go forth and we can bring healing, restoration, and transformation to the people around us. Lord, be with every person that has listened to this message or that will listen to it. May you convict your hearts and may you speak to them in a personal way. I thank you so much for hearing and answering our prayers. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.